Hey, hey, and welcome to Daddy Mojo. It's the podcast where we'll talk about parenting, all-age comic books, toys, and more. Now, here's your host, Trey Burley. From Origami Yoda to Inspector Flytrap and now DD Dodo Future Spy, Tom Engelberger is somewhere in your child's library and all over the elementary school. His latest book is DD Dodo Future Spy Recipe for Disaster, and we had the chance to talk to him about it. So when, when you're writing a series, you've written a handful of great series that have spawned numerous books. Well, first off, is Inspector Flytrap over? Is that series done? So it's kind of, um, there's a, uh, we've been trying to figure out exactly what to call it. And it's, it's, it's a Flytrap universe, Flytrap uh, world there. And um, th- those three Flytrap books, they're part of it. Three mm-hmm. DD Dodo books will be part of it. And then I'm going to – I really want to do at least three more books about some other characters. But everybody mixes in together. So Inspector Flytrap shows up in Dee Dodo. Coco okay. Dodo shows up in Flytrap. You know, it's a, it's a very busy city with lots of plants and animals causing mayhem. And side kind of gardening note, Flytraps are notoriously difficult to keep alive. Word up. I bought one. <laughs> I bought one around the time the was yeah. promoting the books, and it did not do very well. I know. It's, uh, we go to we we bought we go to some nature museums whenever you're on vacation, and we 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 frequent Hilton Head, South Carolina, and they sell some down there. So I picked one up one year, and it lived for about three weeks. But they live there all the time, out in the wild. Yeah. How do they do it? Do you know? I don't know. I guess they have um, goats to help them out. They have goats or numerous small crimes that they can yes. solve. That's the problem. They they get bored just sitting around the house all day. They want to get yeah. out. <laughs> it's, that, it's that temperate, warm climate. They they want something colder and more crime oriented. So this is going to be part of a greater, smaller fly trappian universe. Right, right. And I, I mean, frankly, if this was all I did for the rest of my career, it would be awesome. It's so much fun. I. I I love this sort of world that I've created, first with with C.C. Bell and now with Jared Chapman. It's just so mm-hmm. much fun building this world, and I'm looking forward to adding on to it even more. And that kind of leads to something else. You, you write a large spectrum of kids' books. Like you've, wrote, you've written some, some I'll call them illustrated books. The early right, I have, in fact, books. I have a picture book coming out um, on the same day as Dee Dee Dodo. I know about Bach. How did that happen? What I want to do is sometimes you go somewhere and somebody's like, oh, my kid's a little too young for this. I want to be able to say, well, in that case, try this book. And then try this one. Yeah, they're a little too old for that. I'll say, well, this one's right in the middle. <laughs> no, what it is is that um, you go to so many school visits and stuff, and you see all these different kids, and you're like, man, that kid's awesome. I want to write a book they would like. Yeah. And um, it's just – it's so it's so much fun writing for kids. I just I don't know how adult authors do it because adults are just so boring and kids are just so open to everything you throw at them. Exactly, like Throw Mama from the Train. Have you seen that movie? Sure, right. Danny DeVito had the job at the end because he wrote children's books. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> at the end of the movie, remember they, they they Mama was thrown off the train and and Billy Crystal was like ah. Oh. He killed Mama. And they both wrote a book about it. But Danny DeVito wrote a children's book. 
I do not remember that. A, <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. It's a small it's – what, it's, what, it's what got me through college, watching bad movies and remembering them, unfortunately. <laughs> So when you write series, like Origami Yoda, that series is done. How do you know when a series is done? Or is well, it done? Well, that series, um, it just, it, it was headed towards a natural conclusion. And the timing really worked out well because um, it was um, that time right before the new set of Star Wars movies came out. Yes. And uh, I left myself a... a um, a trap door in the plot so that I could start up a whole new series if I needed to. Mm -hmm. But I really thought, like, boy, this series is finished. It's come to a really natural conclusion, and anything I add on to the end of this, not only would it not only really make sense, but it, I don't even know what comes next. For a long time, I knew what was going to happen, and then I got to a point I, I don't know. A lot of kids ask me, well, what happens to Dwight next? And I really don't know. So how can I write a book about it if I don't know? <laughs> when when you're writing a book, like when you were writing D.D. Dodo, do did you storyboard things out? Like you, you drew pictures or you just kind of saw the way the characters moved in your head, like a, a Wallace and Gromit type figure? You know, I like the Wallace and Gromit analogy there. Um, it is sort of like that. The Flytrap and D.D. Dodo books have a, uh, a sort of a set pattern to it. That's sort of part of uh, getting a, having a book for first and second graders, so they have some, um, you know, they have a framework that they get used to. And I have to start off with something crazy, and then it has to be crazier, and then it has to get crazier by the third act, and then there'll be a finale, which needs to sort of tie everything together, but be still crazier. Yes, and so you 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 just sort of have to keep building, building and building to get to that. And uh, sometimes you might come up with an idea and try to figure out how you're going to get the characters to that point. Uh, for instance, in the Didi Dodo book that will come out next, the Ro Robo Dodo Rumble. I wanted a book that was sort of like a Godzilla or Ultraman kind of thing. Mm -hmm robot fighting giant monster. So if you want to do something like that, then you've got to figure out, well, gee, how does, how does a normal-sized dodo acquire a giant robotic yeah. dodo? Combat it, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, it's fun. It's, it's like a giant puzzle. And sometimes you know what the puzzle looks like and you're trying to fit the pieces together. And sometimes it's like you've bought a puzzle... Um, that, that didn't have a picture on the cover, and you're, you've pieces, and you're trying to figure out what it's going to look like. It's the beauty and the frustration of Legos if you lose <laughs> the instructions, yes. <laughs> or you lose the box that it comes with. Oh, man, my job is so much like playing with Legos. And that, that, that sounds awesome. fact, It's exactly like playing with Legos, <laughs> except you never step on them. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a blessing from all parents everywhere. I say thank you. It's funny. Over the weekend, we were playing with Legos, and our nine-year-old, the same child in question, he stepped on some of his Legos. <laughs> and he says, this really hurts. That's why we ask you to clean them up. <laughs> so about D.D. Dodo, the, uh, the illustrator in this was Jared Chapman, who illustrated one of our favorite books of all time, Vegetables in Underwear, which we 100% we credit 
towards that nine-year-old becoming potty trained. That is that is the book that that got him past stopping diapers and going on to underwear. Wow! I didn't even realize it had a purpose. I thought it was just genius. No, that that's I mean that's whenever we read that book in schools now, we usually read it like the the first graders, sometimes kindergarten classes, depending upon who we visit. We always make that comparison, and that book also the same one, vegetables and underwear helped our now seven-year-old also get past it. And that was right about the time when Fruits and Suits came out also. So he was kind of doubly kind of hit with, uh, oh, okay, I got to wear underwear. I got to wear a bathing suit. Cool. So <laughs> how did that work, though? So he did the illustrations. Cece did the illustrations for Inspector Flytrap. Do you figure out what kind of story vibes with a, a, a certain type of illustrator? Or do they approach you? Does the publisher do that? Yeah, the publisher um – thought Jared would be a great match, and since, um, just like you, since I'm a huge fan of the vegetables and their underwear, I was like, absolutely, this would be, you know, I was like, can we get him? Yeah. You know, if we can get him, let's do it. And um, and I've never met him in person. I'm going to meet him this week at the book launch. But we would communicate, and like, uh, I, I, I like to let the illustrator be a be part of the creative process. So I'm like, you know, if there's an animal that you want, let me know. We'll figure out where they show up in our in our multiverse. And um, so Jared is just amazing. And the I, I tell you, some of the um, some of the little drawings in there are just blew me away. How he, I would just sort of write something like. Um, I would write a character, and I never really thought about exactly what it would look like. For instance, a cactus on a pogo stick. I just sort of threw that in there. I mean, honestly, I I didn't have some kind of vision of a cactus on a pogo stick. I just thought, yeah, it'd be funny a cactus on a pogo stick. And he drew it as if he went outside with binoculars and watched cactuses pogoing around. He really <laughs> nails the drawing. So he's just incredible. He's absolutely amazing. Like Cousin Yesuk. Is it is, is, is it fair to call him a bull? I'm trying to turn the book and look at this at the same time, but he looks like a, a, a stereotypical James Bond, James Bond Texas villain, except yes. really appropriate in a relish farm. <laughs> that, that's that's Cousin Yesuk, all right. You've, you've got him. <laughs> really, a, a lovable James Bond villain who's never going to hurt you. Who just wants to steal your relish. Yeah, he would hurt you if he could ever catch you. He really would. <laughs> he's he's a bad bad. Uh, I think he's a yak. Whatever he is, he's very bad. I, I would call him a bad hombre or a bad yak. Yes, one of the two. And our, our, again, our nine year old loved it. And this is a case where you mentioned earlier, where. When our nine-year-old was many years ago, a couple years ago, when he started to read, he was curious about the Origami Yoda series, but he was a little too young for it. And now he's starting to read those books. Oh, great. Whereas his younger brother, who is seven, is starting to read the Flytrap series and kind of was tossing a curious eye towards D.D. Dodo when it arrived in the mail. So I, I understand your, I guess, your eagerness to, to, to write to many different ages. Because they can kind of grow up with the series and enjoy them. Bach to the rescue. Right. What, what do you think of that? Is that, is, is that a true story? Is that bizarre? 
You know, we don't exactly know. It is. I feel kind of foolish asking if that's a true story. Well, I, you it, know, it sounds so knows. crazy. Bach would be the only person probably who knows. Maybe Goldberg could maybe tell us. Um, but it is the story that goes around. And what is that story? Can you encapsulate that? I liked the story so much that I became obsessed with trying to tell it as a picture book. Here's the concept. you got this rich guy who can't sleep, and he's so rich that he can hire somebody to play music for him when he can't sleep. But the problem is he doesn't like any of the existing music because okay. this is uh, 400 years ago. They hadn't written as much music yet. He doesn't like any of the existing music. So they hire Bach to write music that will satisfy him. You but mean there's like a lot of Sebastian Bach. Bach. You mean like Bill Bach? What's that? You mean like Sebastian Bach? Johann. Yeah, Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay. And uh, they hire him. You know, he's rich. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but he keeps yelling at everybody in the process. And that was what I... I, the more I thought about this guy just yelling in the middle of the night, you know, Goldberg. Goldberg is the name of his harpsichord player. Yes. Yelling, Goldberg, play me something better than that. Uh, just thinking about this guy yelling every night. It just, I thought, I was like, man, this is a great story. But if I, if we put like a boring portrait of Bach on the cover, no kid will ever read the story. Yes. So I was like, the only way this could work is if the art is completely bonzo, uh, uh, completely bonkers. Uh, if the artwork is so nuts that kids will overlook the fact that it's historical and um, possibly educational. So it is historical, and that's, that's what I wanted to get across. It's, it's, a, it's a true story that you can't guarantee all of the aspects, but the basic concepts in that there was a rich person, couldn't sleep, hired somebody, and that's what brought forth possibly some of Bach's greatest works. Is that correct? <laughs> well, once again, I, that, is, that is the story. I, I heard this, you know, I'm, I love Bach, and I was actually reading a work on Bach by Albert Schweitzer, who is not only a uh, famous doctor, but was <laughs> also an organist. And so he tells this story, and he admits that we don't really know if that's what happened. So I hate – there's always going to be an asterisk beside this story, but I felt like uh, I had to tell it anyway. It's historical with possibly some fiction elements, but it's based – it's hardwired in nonfiction, which I found fast. Whereas D.D. Dodo is completely, completely fiction, just so we're clear on that. <laughs> is it? I don't know. If, if we were to ask my nine-year-old – he may beg to differ, aside from the fact that he hid the book for seven days where I couldn't find it. And couldn't read <laughs> I mean, if Dee Dee is really a great spy, maybe she's out there working right now to keep us safe, and we just don't know it. That That is very possible. So the next book, so when you wrote Future Spy, the, the first book in the Dee Dee Dodo series, do you have like a lineage? Like you, you, you think it's going to be three books? Is that how it works? Right. The idea is each character will get their own three book series okay. at some point. Inspector Flytrap had his three. D.D. Dodo has three. So the next – I'm toying around with it, but strong possibility that D.J. Funkyfoot will get his own series. And if you don't know who he is, he is a butler. Hmm. And everybody says, well, are you – do you rap? And he says, no, my parents 
wanted me to be a rapper, so they named me DJ Funky Foot, but I prefer to be a butler. So uh, and he's also a chihuahua. So similar to how Jared can can draw a a, a pogoing cactus, where did a, a butler who was once an, uh, an aspiring DJ from his parents come from? From, from your imagination. <laughs> you know, it just it all comes out. It all uh, it all just pops out. But you know, if if you were an illustrator and you were asked to draw a chihuahua who's a butler and his name is DJ Funky Folk, wouldn't you be angry? I'd be furious. I'd be like, I'm not drawing this. This is ridiculous. And I would call up the author and yell at him. But Jared just went ahead and drew DJ Funky Foot and, and got it perfect. A chihuahua with a, with a very polite manners. And he really very, very polite, doesn't he? Yes. I mean, really, it was like, wow. If, if DJ Funky, if DJ, is it Funky Foot? I think it's Funky Foot. Supposedly, there's a fan theory going around that that he may have appear as DJ Freaky Foot oh. at some point. Hmm. So uh, that may just be a, a mistake by the author. You're, the tongue twisters that happen in your book kind of they, they give me pause. They, they, they do, Tom. But they're they're fabulous books. And I, I'll say also, I'll credit your website. Your website is highly interactive. Oh, the website is so much fun. Those kids, oh my gosh, the stuff they come up with, the stuff they send me, amazing. It's amazing. And your website is what for the public? What is it? It's origamiyoda.com. Origamiyoda.com. And oh, I was I was blown away because you had little origami tutorials. You had what? What all do you have on your website for? Oh, you know what? What I think is neat is that I put up origami tutorials, yes. but so do kids. Kids send in their own instructions for how to make origami that they invented, and we and then of course they send in their own origami, and we have over twenty thousand posts from kids. Um, some of them just have silly business, but an incredible number of them have original origami that kids have created and sent in to me. And if somebody wants to do that, could they just do it blindly through your site and say, hey, here's right, a cool origami? Right, you can sign up on the site. You sign up okay. for a, to become a super folder. Mm-hmm. And uh, then to actually become a super folder, you have to fold something in a superb manner mm-hmm. and uh, send in a picture. Okay. Oh, Andy. Tom Engelberger, thank you very much for your time. The book is D.D. Dodo, Future Spy, number one. Thanks for listening to Daddy Mojo. Be sure to tune in next time. For more information on any of the things we talked about today, just check out the website, daddymojo.net, or hit us up at Daddy Mojo on social media.